church when we sing a song like that we understand we're not singing to the Holy Spirit but we're singing uh, to the to the Father it's his spirit and so we sing with the understanding thereof if ever there was a time that we need more of the Spirit of God it is in these days that we're living in today is January the 5th and January the 5th uh, marks the uh, anniversary of our coming into Canada. We came here on uh, January the 5th, 1980. January the 5th, 1980. And that was a long time ago. 42 years to be exact. And um, Nadine was six years old. Um, I was, you know, more looked like normal people with black hair and that kind of stuff. But um, God has been good. Uh, Paul, in his writing to the Roman, to the Hebrews, sorry, uh, Paul in, in writing to the Hebrews, the book of Hebrews has no known author. Uh, the King James translators, uh, they would probably title it. Uh, the epistle of Paul the Apostle to the Hebrews that's what it's titled in my Bible but if you read a little bit more on it there is no certain author to the book of Hebrews I believe Paul wrote it uh, but I believe one of the reasons why he never identified himself when he sent out that letter is Paul was an apostle to the Gentiles and the Jews had a pick on Paul and if he was light writing a letter to the Hebrews and identify himself, half of them would not even read it. And so I believe it was wisdom that Paul used in not identifying himself with this letter and he sent it. Now I'm not here to discuss the, the book of Hebrews, just a part that I want to look at chapter 5 of Hebrews as we start to talk about... Um, uh, some important things that I'd like to share with you tonight. Every service since COVID-19 started in the year 2000 and we started these streaming services, I think it might have been April or May, uh, March, 
March 2020, uh, we started streaming services and we have had some valuable uh, messages stored up on podca- different podcasts, especially I like to um, log into Spotify. That's my favorite. And that's because I'm not too familiar with all these podcasts and all these companies you're dealing with. But um, we've had a lot of lessons here in, in Hebrews, the fifth chapter. Paul is writing and he makes a statement here. He says, um, uh, verse 13, he says, everyone that useth milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. Um, In making a statement like this, he's not talking about natural milk, but as a baby starts with natural milk, so in the church, individuals, uh, individuals that accept the Lord in their lives, they start with natural milk. Unfortunately, in the Christian world, some people remain a babe forever, a perpetual babe forever. They do not like strong meat. They do not like to, to feed on anything that challenges their lifestyle. And so some people are perpetual babes. Here in, in uh, verse 14, Paul tells us that strong meat uh, belongeth to them that are of full age. That is, those of us that are matured in the Lord. When we accept the Lord, we start, we have, we started on a journey and on, in this journey, while we travel on this journey, we are developing a spiritual growth. And uh, as a babe, you have milk and then you want something a little more than milk. If you want milk all your life, you will never have the resistance and stamina and endurance to endure strong temptations and battles with the devil. So we need more than milk. And Paul went on, he says, strong meat belongeth to them that are full age. You have grown in God, you're matured in God, you're not a young babe anymore, you're not a young person anymore, but you're more matured. He says, even those by reason of use, have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Uh, if you look at this verse particularly here, it says to use, have their senses exercised. Christianity is not a talk. To serve God, discipleship and Christianity should be a walk. It is incorporating a lifestyle that is pleasing to God. It is not just going to church and being a good church member and paying your tithes and singing some songs and going home and live the way you want to live. If, um, if, I, were, if I was in the days of Jesus and he made the demands that he made, and you know when you read the gospels, you read a very short version of what really Jesus said. Uh, He said, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself, let him take up his cross, and let him follow me. Now, I don't know the the gospel writers when they decided to pen that information, but the gospels were not written while Jesus was walking around. 
It was after Jesus was gone, years after he was gone, that uh, Mark decided to write and Matthew decided to, to write and all of these, the, these apostles, two apostles and two regular men, decided to put the Gospels together. Now, I'm not sure how much they are accurate in their description, but why will Jesus tell his disciples, deny yourself, take up your cross? Uh, they did not know about the cross and his death on the cross and what will be a result of the cross until after the fact. And so when he told them, deny yourself, well, I can understand what that means. Uh, take up your cross. What do you mean, Jesus? What, what do you mean, take up my, your, my cross? See, they did not know he will die on a cross. They did not comprehend and they could not comprehend the demands of dying daily to my carnal natures. But think about it. If he says, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself of what he wants to accomplish in life. Deny himself of certain luxuries of life. Deny himself of the fun and frolic that the world offers. Deny yourself to follow Christ. He says, deny yourself. In other words, you can't follow me if you're doing everything you want to do. There comes a time when you, if you're standing there and you want to decide, am I going to follow this man called Jesus? And he says, okay, you want to follow me? Deny yourself. You got to make a sacrifice. I'm sure he said more than just deny yourself. I'm sure he went into a lesson telling them what denying of self is. You have to love your enemies. You can't get vengeance because somebody hurt you. You've got to love those that persecute you. There's so much that is demanded in denying oneself. If we tell individuals that today, in the reality of what it is, they don't want to become a Christian. While the disciples, I don't think they comprehended the full magnitude of what Jesus was telling them, but he says, deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. Each one of these steps, denying self, taking up your cross, and follow the Lord, is a lifestyle. It is not a little religious formality that you experience in church. No, sir. It is telling you how to live. You know, you have to give up what you would like to accomplish in a carnal world, and you have to pursue godly and spiritual goals. When you start to do these things, and Paul says you're exercising on a daily basis, your spirit is getting practice as how to live for God. He says, having your senses exercised that you're able after a while to discern between good that is God and evil, that is the devil. Today, in today's world, if you have an inability to differentiate between good and evil, you'll be taken captive of the devil because he has transformed himself as a preacher of righteousness and an angel of light. 
As a child of God, you can't just be a dud. You got to grow. When a service is going on, you must be able to tell, is this the flesh or the spirit? See, we're dealing with things here. Good or evil. The flesh or the spirit. You must be able to see whether something is light or something is darkness. You'll be able to recognize whether something is worldliness or righteousness. If you cannot differentiate between light and darkness and all these various aspects, you got a problem. Christianity must be lived and practiced on a daily basis. And so here in Isaiah chapter 5, and I want to just talk about a few things here. In Isaiah chapter 5, beautiful chapter. And I'm selecting verses here tonight. Uh, Paul said, uh, Isaiah writes and he says, Woe unto them that, are, uh, that, that uh, draw iniquity with cords of vanity. I don't want that, I want verse 20. Woe unto them that call evil good. Now, not only did Paul say you must develop this ability to differentiate between these things, but Isaiah says you're damned if you call the devil God and you call God the devil. Woe unto you. It's like the woes of Revelation. Woe, woe, woe. Woe unto you. Right? He says to everyone that calls good evil and put darkness for light and take light and call it darkness. He says that put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. It means that there are individuals that will think they're serving God and really serve the flesh. And that is why in today's world, you got to live for God or serve the devil. You can't mix both. You can't be a little bit, you see, there are two cups. Listen to me carefully tonight. There are two cups, the cup of the Lord and the cup of devils. You can't take a sip of the cup of the devil and then a sip of the cup of the Lord and be a Christian. You got to make up your mind to discuss, decide which one you will drink of. And that is why to be in the bride of Christ is not a jump and a skip. It's a tremendous life of dedication, no compromise at all. All right? Aren't you glad you're in church tonight? Keep your spirits with me here tonight. He says, Woe unto them that put life for darkness, and bitter for sweet, and sweet for bitter. Woe unto them that are wise in their own eyes. It'll be sad if I think I'm wise, and I'm wise and God thinks I'm foolish. It'll be sad if I think I'm walking in righteousness and really I'm doing darkness. Because if Satan, he mimics everything that God has done. When, when, Moses, when Moses put down a rod and, and his rod became a serpent, the magicians of Egypt put down their rods and they became serpent. When God wanted his people to be called a body, the devil wanted his people to be called a body. 
When God uses a woman to describe his church, the devil uses a woman to describe his church. And so this counterfeit that we have, that the devil has pro produced in society, unless you, a child of God, can be smart enough, and I use the word smart because that's easy to comprehend, are you wise enough, are you sensitive enough to tell the difference between the God and the devil, between the flesh and the spirit? You see, today, I believe most Christians can tell when the spirit of God is moving and when the flesh takes over. And when the flesh takes over in a service, the Spirit of God departs. That is why it is important that even in the worship that we have, we do a worship to please God, not from tradition. Now you might say, well, you know, I know one of our fathers in the past introduced that. I don't care who introduced it. If the scripture condemns it, it must be condemned. We must follow truth. Uh, if you follow me on Facebook today, I think I put something that says something like this. We are that today's truth, yesterday's truth offers us a foundation today. Today's truth offers a foundation for the people coming tomorrow. But today, I have yesterday's truth that I'm building as with a foundation, but a foundation is not the building. A foundation is the basis that I'm building on. Present truth builds the walls and put the roof on that building. Because present truth deals with the climatic, spiritual, climatic condition of the time we are living in. Evil today is not the same like evil was 2,000 years ago. Evil 2,000 years ago has evolved. If you put Peter, the greatest, one of the great apostles of Jesus, in front of a television, he would know what to do. If you tell Peter about the internet and pornography, he would lose his mind. As a matter of fact, you don't have to go back to Peter. If you resurrect Abraham Lincoln, and put him at Pearson International Airport on a busy day, he would not even understand what's going on in the world. Amen. Einstein cannot survive today. If you resurrect him and just bring him here, he would be at a loss to know what's really happening. The world has advanced, and technology has advanced, and evil has advanced, and when you think mankind has become more smart, that he'll become more moral, the smarter mankind gets in society is the more immoral man has become. So evil has evolved into becoming a more subtle evil. And if you cannot discern between good and evil, you're already lost. You have already lost the battle. All right? So... We're called here to be Christians and we ought to live for God. In the book of John, in the Gospel of John, uh, the very first chapter of John, and I just want 
a few verses in chapter 1, but I want to turn you to one of the most popular verses of Scripture in the Gospel of John. In John chapter 1, it tells us about Jesus. <clears throat> it says here in John chapter 1, uh, verse 4, in him was life, that's in Jesus. And the life was the light of men, in Jesus was life. But the Bible, John, in his wisdom and under the anointing of the Holy Ghost, he describes this life that Jesus has as light. Uh, David made a statement, he says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. There's no way you can live in a world of darkness without spiritual illumination from God to lighten the path that you walk on. I'm going to say that again. There's no way you can extricate yourself out of darkness without light from God penetrating your life. All right? And Jesus was, in him was life. And his life, his method of living, his example of a lifestyle became light for individuals to follow. <clears throat> All right? Now, if you listen to me here. So we're not talking about light that's just brightening, brightening up the room. We're talking light that is putting illumination in your heart and directing your step how, how to walk in the sight of God. All right? He goes on here. He says, um, the same, uh, there was a man sent from God uh, whose name was John. And this is John the Baptist. Uh, the same came to bear witness of the light. John came to bear witness of Jesus who was called the light. When you have Christ in your life, the more you have Christ in your life, the more your lifestyle will change to one that walks in light, not in darkness. Are you listening to me? Listen carefully, because a lot of talk is not Christian walk. We're good at talking. In Gospel Assembly churches, we are good at preaching and talking and yap, yap, yap. But it's time we come to the place of understanding that we need to live a life or walk in light to please God. Because as Christ becomes a part of your life, you'll find that your lifestyle changes. In every aspect of your life. On the job, with your family, on the street, in the grocery store, in college, in university, on the workplace. Light does not dim out and turn back on. You're either in light or you're in darkness. But you must be able to understand the difference between what is spiritual light and, and, and darkness. Uh, he was not, the, John was not that light, verse 8, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light which lighted every man that cometh into the world. Jesus have enough light to lighten every man that comes into the world, but he is not going to force himself. See, and the beautiful thing about light, we have light in this room. But if you take a blanket and cover yourself, the light would not fight itself to get into you. 
Light is gentle even though it's illuminating. You put something and block the light, darkness will take over. And a lot of us, we block the light of God's life from coming into our lives. And so we end up walking in darkness and enjoying the darkness that the world offers. All right? And he goes on here. He was in the world. That is this ungodly world we're living in. And the world was made by him and the world knew him not. Sadly, he came unto his own and his own received him not. But for you and I who have received him, we have the power or the authority to become the sons of God. Over in John chapter 3 and verse 16 is the most popular verse in Christendom. One of the most popular verses in Christendom is John chapter 3 and verse 16. It says, and you follow me, you don't need to even look at your Bible. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth on him should not perish but have everlasting life. Isn't that a beautiful scripture? Isn't that a beautiful verse? Well, let's move on. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world. Well, I thought he came to condemn. No, no, no. Jesus came to offer life to the world. He did not come to condemn the world, but he came to offer life. But the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Jesus came and the possibility is he has enough power to save everyone, but he will never force you. God has elected some of us to be saved, but election does not void out your human responsibility. So as I'm talking to you tonight, it is your God-given responsibility to live right. You can memorize the whole Bible from Genesis to Revelation. You can un understand all the theological concept there is to understand. You can be able to speak fluent Greek and Hebrew and God knows what else. But if you cannot follow a lifestyle pleasing to God, it means you don't have the Spirit of Christ living in you. Understanding God in the head is not living for God in reality. And he goes on here, he says, he didn't come to condemn the world, but he says in verse 18, he that believeth on him is not condemned. When you believe on Jesus, you're moving out from condemnation. You're coming into light. You're not a child of darkness anymore, but you're coming into light. But he that believeth not, is condemned already. So when Jesus came, he didn't come to condemn the world. Guess why? The world was already condemned. Before you met Christ, and before you start to live, you give your life to God and start to live for Christ, you're condemned. So when you come and you come to the altar and give your life over to Christ, and then you decide you're going to go back and hobnob with that old lifestyle. You're condemning yourself. He says, 
He that believeth in him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he doth not believe on the, in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation, that light is come into the world, and men love darkness. So we've got two things to differentiate between here, light and darkness. I'm talking about fluorescent lights. I'm talking about an illumination that comes from God. Light and darkness. Light is come into the world, but men love darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil. When you want to live the way you want to live, and you want to hobnob with whoever you want to hobnob, and you want to, to, to enjoy the pleasures of this world like you have always done in the past, you love darkness more than light because your actions, your deeds prove the point. See, if we're children of light, we ought to have a different lifestyle. That's what I'm talking to you tonight. And we need to examine ourselves and we need to sing that song that we sung out there in religion. The things I used to do, I do them no more. What have you done in the past that you're going back to doing? You see, when God is saving you, he's not saving you from something to take you back into it. When I look at this fellowship, I'm a little disappointed at the way we have incorporated worldly things and worldliness and uh, customs and traditions that should not even be in the church. When I came into this fellowship in 1975, it was pursuing holiness desperately. Pursuing holiness. But we have strayed from that vision. We have now with the world. Hold your finger in John, and I think I want a scripture in Peter, the epistle of Peter, when he writes here in Second uh, uh, Peter, I think he wants, yes. In Second Peter, he makes a statement like this. He says, and when they, they're individuals, he called them, they speak swelling words. He condemns these individuals. He says in chapter 2 and verse 1, chapter 2 Peter, he says, For there, as there were false prophets among the people, right in Israel there were false prophets in the midst of the people. He says, Even so, there shall be false teachers among you who privily shall bring in damnable heresies, even denying the Lord that bought them and bring upon themselves swift destruction. Now, did the Lord bought them? Yes. They came on in and they accepted Jesus. And then suddenly they're starting to weave mosey on out back into a previous lifestyle. And one of the most common things they say today is that grace covers it all. You have grace. God is grace. Uh, you know, the grace of God uh, would, would allow you not to be judged. No, God is gracious, but his grace has a limit. Not because God doesn't kill you today, you're not going to be dead tomorrow. Don't abuse grace. Don't continue in sin, Paul says, because there is grace. Somewhere down the line, individuals will come and give you freedom 
to do things contrary to the commandments of God. I can't get into the whole chapter. I love to. But here in the latter part it says. These are wells. Verse 17. Preachers that give you that liberty to do whatever you want. They are wells. They are wells without the Holy Ghost. They are wells without, uh, without water. Clouds. You see that big cloud carried about with the tempest to whom is the midst of darkness is reserved forever. When they speak great swelling words of vanity, they tell you all kinds of fancy messages. It's words of vanity that has no spiritual significance or spiritual value. I pray every day, God help me not to be a, a well without water. Help me not to have words that are vanity. But give me words that will save the people that are listening to me. Save means change your life. And he goes on to say here. <clears throat> he says they speak great swelling words. Verse 19. I'm cutting short this. You can read it all when you go home. I've got 15 minutes left. He says when they promise them liberty. They themselves are the servants of corruption. They would tell you. Okay you can be free in Jesus. But they themselves are held in bondage. Their traditions they can't give up. Their concepts in their mind they can't give up. No wonder many of our preachers today go to. What we call Babylon, they call Babylon, they go there to be educated. To come back to preach to the people. It's like when Saul, King Saul, sent his, uh, his people to the Philistines to sharpen their swords. To let the Philistines know we're coming tomorrow to fight you. Sharpen our swords so we can come back and uh, swords and spears so we can come back and fight you tomorrow. When you go to get educated in the institutional systems of this world to come back and teach God's people, you're perverting God's people. You are perverting God's people. Amen. Don't bring a wrong spirit into the church. Otherwise, we'll be having church, but God would not even recognize us. And John received seven letters to the seven churches of Asia Minor at that time. Five of those were already condemned for their actions. Two were without condemnations. But a, a church like Sardis that had a repetition that it was alive, but God says you're dead. You have a credibility. Ever look at a church and say, that's a great church. Oh, they got good attendance. Oh, everything is so sweet in that church. You see, Sardis was like that. When everyone looked, as Paul, uh, John said, you, uh, God said to Sardis, he says, thou hast a a credibility thou has a name that thou livest people look at you and says oh, what a lively church but God says when I look at you I see a dead church my, con my concern is not what God saw in Sardis is what God sees in us that's a great concern of mine and uh, Peter went on here he says, they promise you liberty. They themselves are servants of corruption. For of whom a man is overcome, the same is he brought into bondage. For if after they have escaped the pollutions of the world. Remember the day when you came on in and you give up the world. What is the world still doing in the church? 
A person rightly said, he said, I look into the world, in the world, I look for the, uh, for the, in the world for the church. I'm trying to remember exactly what he says. He says, when I look into the church, I found the world. And when I try to search for the church, it was out in the world. And that is the sad thing because what we are trying to t tell you to escape from, we are also in bondage to. If ever there was a time that God must help us, it is today. Have we strayed from the path towards the price of the, the mark for the price of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus? I think we have. And when these individuals promise you liberty, they were once escaped from the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord. There was that time when you came out of the world and says, thank God I give up all this worldly pagan stuff. How long did it take you to get it back? How many times did Israel backslid after she came out of Egypt? Go read the book of Judges. By the time they came back in, if the heart is not genuinely converted, you'll backslide and backslide and backslide, come back and God has to judge you and you backslide again. And so he goes on here, he says, after they have escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they're again entangled therein, again entangled therein and overcome. And the latter end, when a child of God experiences God in their life, and then they go back and drift into the world, they become a worse case than it was before. Remember Jesus said when a demon, evil spirit is gone out of a man, he tries to find rest and he can't find any, and he brings seven other spirits more wicked than himself and enter back into that position. You think he's going to go there and become a drunkard? No, he's going to become a religious guy. That's a schizophrenic, spiritually speaking. In church, you live for God. Outside of church, you serve the devil. Now, you sad tonight? Listen, I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you took the faceless, the wind and the whatever. You know, we're coming out and Sister Chandra, you got into the van. And she said, Dad, this wind is picking up and it's cold. And at the same time, I heard some dogs barking. She said, what is that? I said, the people are not afraid to take their dogs out. But the saints are afraid to come to church. Some people love their dogs more than they love church. And I've got to live with that. Isn't that funny? Isn't that strange that we have idols all over? Well, Peter said, he says, the end of the latter is worse than the beginning of their journey. For it, is, it has been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than after they know it to turn again from the holy commandment delivered unto them. It's best they'd never started out church to begin with, Peter said. I would agree with him. He says, but, sadly, but it has happened unto them according to the proverb, the dog is turned back, is turned to his own vomit again, and the sow, or the pig, that was washed to her own wallowing in the mire. 
We can't serve God today and then serve the devil tomorrow. When we are translated out of darkness here in, Phil in Colossians, uh, turn with me into Colossians chapter 1. I'm trying to talk about light here tonight. And hey, you know the clock, I put a new clock at the back there and that one is working right. But here in Colossians, the very first chapter, we're children of light. And something is needed for us as children of light. Uh, Paul writing to the church at Colossae, he says, Strengthen with all might, verse, verse, uh, verse 12, giving thanks to the Father who has made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. We are trans, we are coming out of darkness and the Lord is good to us. He is making us partakers with other saints that are where? In what? In light. That's genuine light. That's not fake light. That's not a make-believe light. And he goes on here, who had delivered us, God had delivered us from the power of darkness and translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. The kingdom of his dear son is the kingdom of light. Here in Ephesians chapter, uh, Ephesians chapter 5, uh, Paul is writing to the church at Ephesus. Chapter 4 is such a beautiful chapter, but we don't have time for all of these verses. But you see, we're children of light. We should walk in light. Hold your finger in Ephesians chapter 5 and turn back with me to the scripture that's uh, in my mind right now. And it's 1 Thessalonians. Turn forward to 1 Thessalonians. And I think I want chapter 5 there also. In 1 Thessalonians and chapter 5, Paul is writing to the church at Thessalonica. And he makes a statement like this. He says in chapter 5, he says, uh, for yourself know, verse 2, perfectly, that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. Verse 4, but you, brethren, are not in darkness, hopingly, hopefully. He's telling the church at Thessalonica, you're not in darkness. See, the Lord, if he translated you out of darkness into the kingdom of light, then you're a child of light. What are you doing with darkness? And he goes on here, he says, and that that, that that day should not come as a thief, as you are the children of light and the children of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. My God, well, what are you doing meddling with darkness? We're children of light. We're children of the day. And that is not just a talk. It's a walk. You can differentiate light from darkness in your life in simple ways. What you do, your form of entertainment, your habits <clears throat> on a daily basis, whatever you do, you can differentiate the, between light and darkness, can't you? Here in Thessalonians, <clears throat> he said in verse 5, you're all the churn of light and churn of the day. We're not of the night nor of the darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. For they that sleep, sleep in the night, spiritual night. And, <coughs> and they that be drunken, are drunken in the night. Uh, let us who are of the day be sober. You're of the day or of the night. You're a child of light or a child of darkness. Well, if you're a child of light, be sober. Everybody say be sober. Be sober. 
putting on the breastplate of faith and love and for a helmet the hope of salvation this is important so as we have five minutes left uh, first to go let's go back to ephesians chapter 5 in ephesians chapter 5 and there's so much that could be said in ephesians uh, chapter 5 uh, paul is writing here beautiful epistle this church at ephesus survived for many many years and he says here <clears throat> Be therefore followers of God as dear children. He said in verse 2, walk in love. In verse, in verse, uh, verse 8, he says, You're, you, uh, and for you were sometimes darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. Verse 2, he says, walk in love. That is walking in light. If you walk in love, you are walking in light. Verse 8, he is more specific. He says, you, are, you, you were sometimes in darkness in the past, but now you are in light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. Choose your lifestyle as children of light. Choose your friends as children of light. Choose your company as children of light. Choose your entertainment as children of light. As you walk on a daily basis, as you live on a daily basis, as you dress on a daily basis, as you look for entertainment on a daily basis, remember your child of light. Verse 11 says, Have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather correct them. When you're trying to live for God and someone is pushing darkness to you, condemn them. Correct them. Said, I don't want that. I'm a child of light. I must live for God. I can't join you and become a drunkard. No, I'm a child of light. Let me live as a child of light. Well, we're going to make some dirty jokes. Well, you're going to make it by yourself. I'm gone. I remember that many, many times we had to make decisions as children of light. And so what is light? Light is anything that's not involved with darkness of this world. Unless you have your senses exercised to recognize light, you'll be walking in darkness and think because you're singing glory, glory, hallelujah, you think you're pleasing God. You can be walking in darkness and singing when I see the light. Are you following me? You can be singing all the song about light, but if your lifestyle proves something else, you're a child of darkness. And Peter Paul went on, he says, verse 2, walk in love as Christ also loved you and had given himself for us as an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet smelling savor. But here is what you avoid. Child of light, here is what you avoid. Fornication, all uncleanness, natural and spiritual uncleanness, covetousness, child of light. No, no, no. Child of darkness is covetous. Let us not it once be named among you, become its saints. Neither filthiness. Child of light, here is what you do. Avoid these things. Filthiness. Foolish talking and frivolous, dirty jokes. Which are not convenient. But rather giving thanks to God. Appreciating people. Child of light has a lifestyle of light. He goes on here in verse 5. For you know that no whoremonger nor unclean person, nor covetous man 
who is an idolater hath any inheritance in the kingdom of God, uh, Christ and of God. So we are to walk in this path that eliminates all of these contrary ideas and ideologies. He goes on here, he says, let no man deceive you with vain words. When somebody comes and tells you, don't worry with them, let us carry on, let's have a party. Don't let any man deceive you. You belong to God, you're a child of light. Don't let the darkness overpower you. Walk in light. See, I'm not teaching you here theories. I'm telling you that when you leave here, figure out what's light and what's darkness and walk in light. Amen. The child of light. Have no fellowship with the works of darkness. He goes on here. That's a couple of verses. He says, um, let no man deceive you with any with vain words because uh, for because of these things come at the wrath of God upon the churn of disobedience. If you walk in darkness, the wrath of God will be unleashed on you. You see, when we say we're a gospel assembly, we're children of God, we're body of Christ, and then we do all kinds of junk, the wrath of God will be unleashed on our churches. Brother Singer, prophet of doom, yeah, he got it. He goes on here, he says, for you were, be, be ye not, be therefore, be not ye therefore partakers with these ungodly children of disobedience. But as before you were sometimes in darkness, but now you're in light in the Lord, walk as children of light. For the fruit of the Spirit in all goodness and righteousness and fellowship. The fruit of the Spirit, if you have the fruit of the Spirit, you'd have light in your life. When you have the spirit of Jesus, you bring light in your life. May God help us. May God help us. And he concludes here. And that's not the conclusion of it. Or oh, he goes on to all kinds of stuff further on. But I'll conclude in verse 11. And let's read that together. Have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness. But rather reprove them. One last verse, sorry about that. I, I'm just remembering a verse that comes to my mind and I think it is in 2 Corinthians. And 2 Corinthians, uh, 1 Corinthians, I'm going to find it. Oh yeah, 2 Corinthians, uh, chapter 6, uh, Paul is making here. Uh, just a couple of minutes of your time. Oh, there's so much is said in 2 Corinthians chapter 6. And Paul lists things in verse 4. And he lists things in verse 5. And he tells you how you can serve God in, in verse 6. By pureness, by knowledge, by long-suffering, by kindness, by Holy Ghost, by love and fame, by the word of truth, by the power of God, by the armor of righteousness, by honor and dishonor as evil report and good report as deceivers yet true. And he went on in verse 14, 15 and 16. He's going on here. He says, be you not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship had righteousness with unrighteousness? And what concord had light with darkness? If you're trying to blend the cup of the Lord and the cup of the devil, it can't work. That is why the bride of Christ is limited. He goes on here in verse 15. What concord had Christ with the devil or Belial? And what part of he that believeth with an infidel? And what agreement had the temple of God with idols? 
for you are the temple of the living God. And God has said, I will dwell in them and walk in them and I'll be their God and they shall be my people. Wherefore, come out from among those that have darkness, those that are not serving God right, and be separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. We are children of light. Let's walk in light. Ask God to touch your mind that you'd be able to differentiate what's light and what is darkness and walk in light. It's a lifestyle. Light is a lifestyle. Let us pray. Father, tonight I can only preach your word, Father. But as much as I preach to this congregation, whether locally or over the internet, Lord, I pray you'll help me to be an example. Help me to walk in light. Help me to eliminate darkness, Lord, and even on a daily basis. Help me to draw closer to you every day. And Father, save us all from darkness, spiritual darkness. Oh God, whatever darkness, give us that sensitiveness. Touch our senses, Father, that we'll be able, able to discern between good and evil, between light and darkness, between the flesh and the spirit. Oh God, between godliness and worldliness. Please, oh God, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.